Today is Saturday, July 18th, and you're listening to the MS is Messy podcast hosted by yours truly. Today, we have a special treat as I talk to my daughter about how my diagnosis has affected her specifically. I started having symptoms when she was just a baby, but wasn't officially diagnosed until our daughter was five, so I'm anxious to hear if she even remembers that time in our lives. When I was first diagnosed with MS over 23 years ago, I had the relapse and remitting form initially, which is defined as a flare-up of the disease followed by sometimes long periods of remission. I really tried to keep up with a young, very busy family, but I'm curious to hear firsthand if I was at all successful in keeping MS in the background of all of our lives. So without further ado, I would like to introduce our daughter. Hi, Taylor. Hi, Mom. Thanks for doing this. (laughs) MS is a family disease affecting not only the person diagnosed with this devastating illness, but the whole family unit. Um, Taylor, do you remember the first time you realized I was sick? Yes. The first time I realized you were sick was maybe when I was about four years old. Um, I remember walking outside on the sidewalk and I think I was skipping or probably doing something I shouldn't have been doing and I was walking in front of you and you tripped and you fell. And I remember thinking, older people don't fall or or parents don't fall, kids do. So that was kind of my first memory of something being off. Were you frightened? I don't know if I was frightened. I don't think I knew. I don't think I knew at that age yet what that what that was. I think I was confused. Yeah. So had we talked about it at all by then? I don't even remember. No, I don't think we had talked about it because you were you hadn't been diagnosed. But you're you had symptoms. Well, I now know that you had symptoms since I was born but um but i haven't been diagnosed at that point no no so i don't think there was a conversation but if there was i was four so i don't i don't know if that happened because i was diagnosed by the time you were five so what i did is uh contacted the ms society because they had some materials to help talk to your young children about your diagnosis obviously matt was still a baby but you were the one i was concerned about so you don't remember me ever reading a book to you about about ms or what mom was going through? No, not at not at that age. I don't I don't know when I could conceptualize that you had had a disease. Um, I think it probably was when I was a little bit older. But at four or five, I don't think your symptoms were as strong yet, where it was no. as noticeable for me as a young child. No, you're right. I didn't. Um, that's what you know. With the relapse and remitting, I think I went through long periods of of not having, you know, any kind of symptoms. So uh, felt like I was able to keep it from you for the most part, you know, but I definitely had times where I was struggling or tripped or whatever. Um, I also, at that time, and you remember, I started a support group at our our church and um, I started a group with other young mothers because we provided free daycare. I just wanted mothers to have an opportunity to share their experiences and not have to worry about their kids. Um, do you remember that that support group and going there and talking to the other kids or do you remember anything about that? I remember the support group. I don't necessarily remember talking to other kids. I do remember kids being present. I remember mothers being present. I remember you talking to mothers about MS. Um, and I do remember going to it frequently, but at that 
kind of all I have of that. That's all you remember about mm -hmm. it? Yeah, so you didn't really know why we were there, what we were doing there? I knew we were there because other people were sick too. Right. And that you had said that there wasn't, there wasn't anything else out there like that for women or mothers or fathers too that had MS and so you wanted to help you know spread awareness and have a place for people to talk about their symptoms and what they were going through. Okay good I, I just didn't know how much of that you remembered if anything um yeah because I'm trying to think when I started that you must have still been like first first grade yeah it was pretty kindergarten young. first grade you're still pretty young um I remember I, I don't know if you remember this driving to Great America and as and what it's like an hour and a half from here and it took us probably four hours that day to get there because I had to stop and go to the bathroom every 10, 15 minutes. Do you remember that? How frustrating that was for you guys, you and Matthew? You were a little bit older by that point. Yeah, I think I vaguely recall that. I mean, that I think is a common thing. So maybe not that instant stands out in my mind, but more so that that's just a part of dealing with MS and having, you know, someone in your family that has MS is that frequent bathroom trips are right. part of the equation and so that was kind of part of the equation wherever we went whether that be you know a trip to visit family in the car whether that be you know driving great america or whatever it is that was always a part of it yeah you know going to the zoo uh remember just not being able to do a whole lot or being overheated and just hanging out while you and your dad probably went to a lot of different rides and Matthew was little so I hung hung back with him so it was fine but I, I just remember it always being a part of everything that we did vacations I remember that Arizona trip where I had uh, a bad time and and uh, it was like you said it was always revolved around finding a bathroom so that that was no that had to be no fun for you guys um, Lot, but we still had lots of family parties and lots of gatherings. So I mean, it didn't it didn't keep us from doing the things that normal families do. But but some of those things stick out more to me because mainly to do with you know my symptoms and managing that at the time. Um, so as you got to be an adolescent, do you remember being embarrassed at all by my disability? Um, yeah, I think sometimes embarrassment flares up as you're trying so desperately to kind of fit in with the status quo you know you want to be think and kind of act and do like everyone else around you is doing and you want your parents to think and act and do like everyone else's parents are are doing and so I think that that kind of develops as you get a little bit older I think it was just to um coming to the realization that you were always going to be this sick um and and understanding what that meant for not only your life, but for my life too. Right, right. I remember um, a conversation, you're young high school probably, um, very involved. You were in, probably on the dance team or maybe still a cheerleader at that time, but um, you're talking about, you know, why I didn't hang out with the other parents. And I think there always was kind of a, I mean, not that I'm that kind of a, a person anyway, that, that gets, you know, that is, gets involved with kind of a, a click as how I saw it. Um, but I think there was even more reticence on my part to, to not get involved because I felt the same way. I wasn't like the other moms. I had different concerns and different problems. So, um, but I, you know, I know that that was a, maybe kind of a frustration on your part that I wasn't as more involved with the other parents. 
um, as I probably should have been. Um, anything else about your adolescence that you remember? Any particular stories that you remember that you want to share? Um, hmm. No, nothing particular that I can think of. I mean, I think, um, you know, your adolescence are your maybe more your selfish years where you think more about yourself and, and what you want to do. And, um, and I think what changed for me was going to school, going to college and, and having a liberal arts education and being able to take classes that helped inform me on disability law and the ADA and understanding really the plight of individuals with disabilities. Um, I think that changed a lot for me and just being becoming more educated about your disease, about other people with your disease and then other people with disabilities as well. Right. Took, uh, I think it took me out of myself and thinking, oh, you know, woe is me. My mom's not like everybody else. She's sick. This stinks. And thinking of it in a more holistic way. Right. I remember that conversation. What was the name of that class that you took? At I think it was just disability law or disability law, some, something along those lines yeah. of, of learning about the law and people with disabilities. Yeah, I remember that teary conversation, that apologetic conversation like, oh my gosh, mom, I, I don't know why I never thought about this. I'm so sorry. And I said, oh, don't worry about it. That's just, that goes along with just being, you know, being a teenager, but um, speaking of college, though, did 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 Maya feel? I've always wanted to ask this, and I want to ask Matthew this as well. This, did Maya illness affect your college choice? You know, I think I'd like to say no, it didn't, because I did fall in love with DePaul University for a lot of reasons. I loved the city of Chicago. I liked the idea of being in a big city. I was eager to get out of Carroll Stream and eager to get out of what felt to me like a small. A small suburb with maybe not as much to offer me and what I was looking for mm -hmm. um, but I think subconsciously yes it, it the disease did affect why I wanted to stay so close to home right. um, I think all of us and I say all of us as, as my siblings and me all make decisions make life decisions based on it um, and I think whether or not we we think about it in that way or whether we thought hard on it, I think we all feel this kind of um, need to be close by in case something happens or right. in case we're needed or in case we need to take you to the doctor or in case something flares up or something goes wrong. Uh, nobody wants to be far away. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that that's, you know, some of the mom guilt too that comes in. It's like, because, you know, you never want your kids to make those kind of sacrifices um but you know i guess in in uh, the back of my mind i always kind of knew that that's why everybody was staying close by and not that that made me mad in any way i was happy about that but um also feeling a little guilty that i just wanted you guys to all experience life to the fullest um which you know I, you know fortunately you you went to study abroad in spain so you know you you did that mm -hmm. you know i know that was hard not only just being homesick Mm -hmm. period but also with me being sick and being worried about that so yeah that added an extra stress to you being being so far away um as my illness has progressed over the years what have been your biggest concerns um i think my biggest concerns have been 
one, what will happen if something were to happen to my father, who is a major caregiver and provider and someone who does a lot for you day to day. And two, um, what was particularly difficult while I was living in Minnesota was seeing you on a more infrequent basis, which made it very difficult because I would see you, you know, in one month and then two months later, and you seemed to be much worse or your condition seemed to worsen. Right. And that made me feel like I was losing time with you. Right. Um, and kind of watching your body deteriorate. Right. In, uh, and it felt like in a more rapid way. Right. Than I had seen when I was seeing you every day living right. near you. Right. And I, yeah, I think that, you know, cause I even, I don't, I take that for granted because, you know, you're just dealing with your life on a day-to-day basis, basis. But when someone, when a loved one hasn't seen you for a while, I think it can be somewhat shocking. I know my extended family, you know, mom and sister and brothers in particular, you know, find it a little um, alarming when they see me after, you know, six months or a year and uh, I've gotten worse than the last time they saw me. So I always worry about that. And I guess, you know, my famous line and, and they're all sick of hearing me say it is I'm fine. I'm fine because I, I hate to worry. I hate to worry them. Um, one and two, there's not much they can do about it. So uh, worrying about it isn't going to going to help either of us. But uh, I do understand where it's coming from, obviously, out of out of love and concern, um, especially Taylor. You know, we got very, very close, but I, I felt like um, I took advantage of the fact that she's that definitely that type A personality who um, very independent and focused um, as a teenager, knew what she wanted, knew she wanted to be a lawyer probably by eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade. Yeah, about. Um, and consequently, you know, she had her plan. She knew exactly where she wanted to go. She had her, all of her deposits and her roommate picked out for college, you know, long before she needed to. Uh, she was very focused in what she wanted to do. And and that was um, a big load off, off of me, you know, um, selfishly because I wasn't having to push her to do anything. And, and uh, I really appreciated that. And I don't know how much of that she did because she knew I couldn't do as much as other parents, but it was something that I, I really appreciate at the time and, and still do um, count on her quite a bit to, to be that person. Uh, she's kind of our, our, our uh, organizer for family vacations and our planner and uh, you know, whether she likes that role or not, that's, that's her role in the family. Um, so what advice would you give other young adults who have a parent with MS? Hmm. I think my advice would be to educate yourself, um, as difficult as that can be to seek resources outside of, you know, your own bubble that you're in talk to other people that have parents with MS, connect with other people that have MS, um, learn about the disease, talk about it. And then also, I think, you know, especially as an adolescent, you know, learn to be able to talk about how it affects you, um, try to find resources, try to find outlets, um, whether that be, you know, traditional therapy or Maybe it's a certain sport. For me in high school, it was dance, and that helped me a lot. Um, but just find out, find outlets because whether or not you're you're conscious of it, it is affecting you, and it is affecting your mental health um, because you're worried about somebody you love 
and that can be really challenging and that can be challenging to deal with on top of being a teenager, which is already challenging um, and trying to navigate that. And, and so I would say, take care of yourself as much as you're taking care of um, the person with MS. Because if you are at your best too, that only helps your loved one who is, um, who is struggling. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think that's good advice because I think people, um, especially when when your parents sick, they think, what? Why would you need anything? You're not the one who's sick. But but uh, to realize that what happens to someone you love de- definitely affects you as well as the whole family. You know, is is an important reminder, um, and that's important for for those of us who have MS to remember that. Um, you know that what's what we're going through is also affecting everybody else um especially if they love us so you know my advice is to to not take things personally especially you know when it's a a a young kid who doesn't know or a um an adolescent who who might be a little embarrassed by the fact that their their parent who has a disease is not like the other parents and can't keep up it's it's not personal they're mad they're mad at the disease and I had to remind myself of that, you know, quite often. Um, so I, you know, that, that, that's the only thing that I would, that I would like to say and, and remind people, like I said, who have something going on is just to, to keep an eye on, on your, on your kids and your loved ones and, and, you know, ask them how they're doing and ask them, you know, if, if, you know, they want to talk or, or they feel like um, there's something that they have a question about. Anyway, I want to thank Taylor very much for doing this. I, I love her and, and respect her so much. And I'm I'm so proud of her, beyond proud of her. And and uh, I knew she'd have a lot of good things to say to you. And I hope you got a lot out of us. Thank you very much.